In this week's edition of Goat Gab, Cameron and I welcome Sarah Cohn Wahlberg of the Blissberry Herd to talk about etiquette in buying and selling goats. Join us for an absolutely great time. And we are back with another episode. Today we're talking about buying and selling etiquette of goats. We have a special guest here today, Sarah Cohen Wahlberg from the Blissberry Herd. Sarah, why don't you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself, um, your herd, and kind of what uh, what you got cooking up there in Minnesota? Well, thanks for having me. Um, many of you know us from our Nubians. Um, I've been breeding Nubians since 1998. Um, Dan, Dan joined the herd in 2012. Um, he did bring some overs with him. We had some success with the Obers. Um, they were a great fit with the Nubians. They just weren't a good fit for us. Um, so um, we actually got, uh, Dan got a gift as a Sonnen for his birthday one year from our dear friend, Karen Smith <laughs> of Lady K. And I was adamant against it. I said, no, we are not doing a third breed. She's going to be in the ship. She was literally just, you know, going to be a goat in our farm. And Dan had mentioned, you know, when he, we brought her to a Nubian at first and um, she was turned out really nice. And so I was like, oh, we have this really good son and, <laughs> and he had these Nubian cross kids. And Dan mentioned, we were kind of talking and he's like, hey, I, I kind of want an AI gibberish. And in, I just quickly replied, well, then we're getting one of the Obers. And he said, okay. And I thought he was kidding. I thought it was a complete joke. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. And we shortly thereafter placed the Obers um, with uh, Megan Okison, since most of them had, had come from her. And then um, that AI, the one Sonnen, turned into building a Sonnen herd. And we've had just a ton of fun, you know, shopping for Sonnens. And honestly, working with the Sonnen breeders, they are awesome people they are really kind and willing to help people start out and we've just had a lot of fun with them so we are just probably like everyone else right now we're breeding where most of them are well all of the mature herd should be bred waiting on um, some pregnancy um, confirmations and then we just have our kids left so hopefully things just keep going smoothly since it is 2020 yeah (laughs) That's a, that's a really great like intro into like why I wanted to bring you on to talking about buying and selling because you do sell a lot of Nubian kids across the country. Yep. And I've seen a lot of those results, those results as a judge and seeing and judging some of the Blissberry goats. And then you recently started buying Sonnens as well and, and doing that. And I really thought you would be a great guest for this podcast. So I'm, I'm honored to have you Thank on. You. Thank you. Laura, what's happening on your farm here? Well, you know, I'm almost afraid to jinx things, <laughs> but I'm just going to put it out there. The two AIs that I really, really, really wanted to take are both at day 25 today. Oh, good. So, and one of them is an 11-year-old doe. So, I'm I'm just so happy to have that AI that took. Um, So, we're going to hopefully see for sure next weekend because I also made a purchase this week. I ordered an ultrasound machine. So... Hopefully I'll get to see some things next week, yeah. maybe on some of the does that are a little farther along and learn, but um, I've got two kids left to breed and then we're done with our breeding season, which is great. Cause I don't like it all, you know, long into June. <laughs> so makes me happy. So that's it here. How about you, Cameron? 
That's really exciting, Laura. Actually, myself and my fiance were talking about an ultrasound machine because she really wants one. I tell her we have to pay for a wedding first. <laughs> Makes sense to me, not in her mind, though. Um, but, um, and that's really exciting for you. For us, I actually just picked up a new box for the back of our truck for goats. We were hauling in a really, really sketchy wooden box that was really heavy. So we picked up a steel one there and a nice uh, little topper. We decided to go to goat shows um, and only take a couple of them and we can put some straw and hay in the back and just hit the road. Um, also, it'll be great for really moving goats when it comes to moving a uh, little bit larger quantities of goats uh, in the spring and whatnot, too. So really excited about that pickup. You know, maybe you'll get... but we'll get it there. Maybe you'll get lucky and somebody will give you an ultrasound machine for a wedding gift. <laughs> That would be ideal. Put it on the registry. That would be it. That's actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's already on there for you to have one. <laughs> um, but we also, today, we started breeding kids. Um, so we are excited about that. And a couple of alpines uh, got bred this morning. So we're excited to start, you know, moving, moving along and getting this breeding season done, hopefully. We still have a couple stragglers. Um, but we'll pull some blood this week here, too, on some of the goats, and we'll, we'll kind of see. Very good. How about you, Sarah? You know, we have most of the adult does bred, so everything, well, without jinxing anything. So hopefully um, everything, year, you know, dry yearling and up should be bred. Um, and then we'll start breeding kids this month and hopefully wrap everything up by, uh, I'd like to have it done by mid-November, but we'll see. See if they cooperate. <laughs> that's always the that's always the yeah question. i don't <laughs> yeah i don't mind freshening in may a little bit here it's just getting the growth on may kids i've, I've noticed that a lot with the later may kids is it's so hard to get good growth in the summer on them and kind of see that because i just look kind of awkward throughout the entire yep. summer. to me the only saving grace for having may kids is that if they're born after may 1st you can show them in that wonderful small junior year <laughs> yep. class at nationals if we have national this <laughs> the last this last year i was like oh i have a junior yes. yearling and well no <laughs> she didn't get shown so she's just that awkward <laughs> two-year-old next yeah year now she's really just young. a younger yeah. yeah younger dry yearling so. so i think that's a perfect segue into um let's let's catch up a little bit about ad good news kind of follow up from the board of directors here and discussion of national show contracts from 2022 so it sounds like that those are they're trying to move forward and it's in our lawyers hands i think is is kind of what i've heard do you guys know more than that you know that's what uh, you know last i've heard i would i have actually been on the national show long range committee um we were you know we set the the board had asked us to work on um setting like regions and rotating and so we did you know we had awesome chairs um you know karen and julie were fantastic in leading that uh you know movement to you know really get this solidified and so now um i just am hoping that the harrisburg that we planned that contract can get signed so the east coast can um be able to have you know a national show more than you know in their area and then we'll just you know continue to hopefully rotate around and hopefully the covid um you know we can get through this a little bit and be able to plan more into the future i think that makes so yeah, much absolutely. sense for for aga and hopefully um makes everybody just a little more confident in the fact that 
hey, maybe it's too far for me to drive this year, but next year or in the two years, it'll be a lot closer for me. I'm excited about it. Well, and it's nice to go to places that, you know, you know, having been there, we know what to expect. We know what the pens are. Um, I, I love that idea. So, you know, I hope we can just keep moving forward with that plan and get these contracts signed and, you know, just have a plan. That would be wonderful. Sarah, I wanted to give a shout out to our Minnesota friends and your Minnesota Dairy Good Association up there. It sounds like they have a really awesome virtual conference. You know, they do. And, um, you know, we've always done it in person before. Um, But, you know, with these times, things obviously need to change. And um, we have Dr. Deb, if if anyone knows, you know, Dr. Deb from Consovet Clinic. Um, She also raises Oberhosley. um, And she is a fantastic speaker. I'm not sure if you guys have been able to go to any of her, her talks at convention. Um, when we had the convention here in Minnesota, we had her do a bunch. And um, so she's going to be our keynote speaker. And that should be fantastic. Dr. Deb is uh, one of my favorite people. She's a fantastic vet. Um, and we're just she helps us out a lot, um, even being in Kansas. And we're just so grateful to her. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. And it's not an expensive. No, no, I believe it's not expensive. If you're a non-member, which many of our listeners are probably non-members, not being here in Minnesota, I believe it's only like fifteen dollars. So it's just a really good value. I would, you know, pay that to listen to Dr. Deb talk um, anytime. So yeah, Dr. Deb's great. Um, I will say she's personally helped me out um, on some um, non-goat related things when we had an emergency. So Dr. Deb is an amazing resource, not only goats, but just as a veterinarian in general. I'm in that Kansas area there and has a phenomenal clinic in Manhattan. If our, if any of our listeners are there to kind of plug yep, her as wonderful. well. Yeah. Well, good. So they can find that information on Facebook pretty easily. Yep. If- pretty much any district list um, is really easy to find. You'll find information on district four, but you can probably contact any one of us um, and we can point you to where the information is. We'll share that information on our Facebook page as well, just to get the word out for our friends in Minnesota and everybody can listen to Dr. Deb. So I think moving right along here, let's talk about it. Um, You know, how to be a good buyer, how to be a great seller of goats and, and what makes proper etiquette in this goat buying world here. I think we're first, let's talk about what our sellers looking for in a buyer. So what makes you a great buyer here? Laura, what, what's, what's the first thing in your mind that makes you want to become a, a, what, what's the first thing you look for as a seller of goats in a buyer? Well, I haven't sold goats nearly on the level that uh, you and Sarah have, but I will say this. I really would like somebody who's done their homework. Um, you know, a lot of times, and I think any of us that have dairy goats will get those people that just know that we have goats and they just, mm-hmm. they just contact us because they want to buy a nanny or, um, you know, they don't, they don't realize what level goats, what level that we breed goats on. They just want a goat and that's fine. And all of us probably have animals from time to time that that is the best home for them. But, um, if somebody is wanting to be taken seriously, the first thing I want to know is that they've done their homework before they come to me. You know, they know what they're looking for. They know why they're looking for that. Um, you know, what I do you guys um, think about love, that? you know, it's a seller's dream when you get an email saying, Hey, I'm looking at these two animals. They're very specific. They know what they want. 
Um, but you know, that isn't always the case. And so a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I'm looking for a buck. And so then I start a dialogue of what are you wanting to improve? What is important to you? What are some hard no's? And just open up a conversation as to what they're looking for. Cause I, first and foremost, our goal is every animal that we send out, we want them to be loved and appreciated and exactly what that buyer buyer wants. I don't want to send off you know, anything that someone isn't certain of or, or anything that we don't talk people into animals. Um, but I'm more than happy. Dan and I have done this time and time again um, of the kind, you know, what are you looking for? Um, we'll help you decide. And I think that's, you know, that's great too, because, so, you know, when I very first started and I was getting my first, you know, animals I was shipping in, I was talking to Karen Sen of customer, and this is way back in like 1999. And it's, you know, I didn't know what I wanted. This is before really even, we had no social media. Um, there were still printed sales lists, no websites. And I trusted her to send me a bucket of, you know, a doe to as a companion to, you know, come here. I trusted her with what I was looking for. And, you know, those are the kind of um, breeders you want to find. And this also kind of buyer. I mean, and a lot of times I'm sure this happens too in your herds and Cameron's, oh, I only want, I want out of your national champion or your first place at nationals. And it's like, that's fine, but you're missing her, her younger sister or, you know, just because they're younger does doesn't mean they're not going to be fantastic and great. They just, they're young. They haven't gotten there yet. So I like to work with people a little bit and try to get the right fits for them. So they're happy with their purchases. I agree on that. Totally. I just had a situation the other day, somebody contacted me and wanted something from one of my, one of my best goats. And I said, okay. Um, and I, and I knew because they were asking me that, that they had not read our website because we had said on our website, this doe is retired. She may never be right. bred again. So we've listed it out on our information. So really digging into those websites and understanding, okay, if a goat, if I look, I'm looking at Sarah's website right now. And Sarah does a great job on her website saying, okay, this goat's retired. This goat's retired. So if you ask me for a goat um, for one of her does and it's retired, you know that's not going to be available. So that's one thing that's it's really clear out. And I think if, if a goat is signified that it's retired or it's not going to be bred, I almost think those goats would be off limits. And as a buyer, um, that's something that I think people need to yep. really see. Yep. Because we all have those retired does. I mean, I know some people like to, you yes. know, you know, don't want to put that on there but I don't I don't have any shame in that um these are does that have worked their butts off for us they're generally they're you know old retired ladies and they have earned their permanent spot in our herd and so I don't if they don't I don't care that they don't breed um they have earned their spot and they just get to live out their lives happy and you know healthy and as long as they're doing that they you know get to stay for as long as they can Another thing I really look for in a buyer is someone that, in addition to their homework, is knowing what genetics they have in the background, not only of, of my herd, but of their herd as well, because I might be able to say, hey, this might not be the best decision for you because I know this herd does not cross well with my herd, right. et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on that, Laura? Um, I agree with that. And, you know, I don't, I would never want to tell somebody else how to breed their animals. But it's just like Sarah said, when you want to try to get that good fit, 
if you know that the lines that are predominantly in this potential buyer's herd are, are what they've got and you know it's not going to work, I really do think it's it's probably in everybody's best interest if you're just honest with that. You know, tell them, you know, this is what has happened when these lines have crossed before. Of course, it's still their decision to make, you know, to do that. But I think that's just that's just being an honest well, person and I think if, that, you know, you know, exactly. if you know that, that there's going to be a problem to, there. We all want to send animals to places where they're appreciated and they're going to be used. And, you know, if we know it's not going to be a good fit, it is our duty to say, hey, this is what we've seen. And in the end, it's still their decision. But it's our responsibility to say, this is what I've seen. Or to be completely honest, I'll have people that say, I have mostly this, these genetics. And they're completely different than what I have. And I've never worked with them. And I'll, I'll, you know, flat out say, I have not worked with these, you know, genetics. I, you know, I don't know. And in that case, I tend to recommend a really tightly bred buck because that buck is going to be such an outcross and in hopes again of, you know, keeping everyone happy and, you know, trying to find the best fit for people. Um, you know, I tend to, on those buyers recommend really tightly bred, you know, bucks to, um, to go to their herds, especially on outcrosses. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, That could be a whole nother episode talking about, you know, breeding plans. I, I agree with the same way. I do the same thing in my herd. If it's not, if it's not lines that I'm already working with, if I'm bringing an outcross, I really do want it to yep. be something tight because it can make a big impact. Yes. That what way. about, um, you know, familiar with herd policies and doing that there. Um, and some people have specific herd policies when it comes to buying animals. I know one herd policy that I see a lot is about semen back on bucks and how the breeder has the right to, buy semen at cost of collection that's something as well that people need to be familiar with and i think a lot of people forget that would you agree you know absolutely we re- you know we here's the problem with that and we we do the same thing to 20 straws at the cost of collection but we're really really low on quality semen processors right now so i do understand that you know not everyone has access number one to a processor number two to one that can put up quality semen and you know it's been it's been difficult you know when you have you know bio went from the entire country to just you know close on the the western side of the united states and that left a huge gap so um but you know there's other companies that are kind of filling it filling in i know um blue mountain i believe that's what they're called now that um that they're out doing tours and and um you know cryo caprine who that's who i work for and that's you know they're out doing um you know some some collections on a smaller scale but you know yes i absolutely do say 20 straws of semen back and um you know i am i i don't take it on every buck um it's not always available but um i'm thrilled when it is i think as a seller or let me back up as somebody who has bought more bucks than i've sold <laughs> when the breeder tells me oh by the way i really would like to have those 20 straws back that it's, gives me confidence exactly. that, that breeder really they really exactly. are standing behind I mean, that buck. and one thing i've even talked to people about is when i sell a buck and i know it's of exceptional quality and it might have traits that I want to bring back into my herd in later years. I say, hey, will you, you know, let me know what happens. Yeah, with don't, don't sell them without talking them. to me. Yes, yes. And that just happened Friday. <laughs> and I texted Laura about it. And I, I think, I think Sarah knows this person because this person's up by you was selling a bunch of bucks. And I was like, I was like, Sarah, or I was like, Laura, um, are you interested? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> of course, I just bought that dang ultrasound machine before he texted me. <laughs> but I also think that might be the end of my marriage if I brought a, a mature buck into the herd. So, no, I'm, I have too many bucks. I don't need another buck. But totally, it is good to keep track of those, especially those special breedings that, you know, uh, you can't repeat. Oh, it's um, good to getting bucks back that you know sometimes they weren't even at the time something you know it was a nice buck but you didn't realize the impact that the siblings or the dam would have on your herd because they might have been sold you know young and things like that and that's what happened with one of the bucks I got back um I sold sold him as a baby his dam was pretty she was you know nice to oh well she ended up winning her class at nationals at two and at three she was won her class and then um was reserve national champion well I was able to get it was the funny story with that is we were meeting at that nationals in 2012 I was getting the brother of the doe that won that year back and trading him for a new buck kid who was that doe's son. So funny. And then, you know, no, we didn't know she was going to win. And it was just a really fun. And they were there. And it was just a really fun trade. And, you know, so those are the things we strive to have really good relationships with our buyers. Um, because, you know, a lot of times we form really strong relationships and friendships. And um, being able to work with people in this industry is just so important. You, none of us can get, get anywhere alone. We need to work with other herds. And um, so I just think that's really important that we, you know, work together and improve the breeds. I agree. You know, something else that I've seen um, that has varied a lot from breeder to breeder is requiring a deposit on animals that they'd like to purchase. And I know that, you know, back, and again, when I was younger and Sarah, you had mentioned the days when yeah. we didn't have social media and we didn't have websites and animals were purchased through those uh, beloved printed sales lists that you would go over 50 gajillion times. And, um, you know, those were pretty darn precious, precious breeding materials around my house, but um, they always almost, always required a deposit when you wanted something i've noticed a lot of breeders now might ask for a deposit on a buck kid but um not so often on does what do you all yeah think I'll, about I'll take this that? one because i it, this is my personal um thing here is and we just implemented this a couple of years ago is by taking reservations on buck kids is that means okay i'm not going to keep that buck kid in my herd uh, as a so that eliminates that possibility there. Also, we don't like to keep a lot of buck kids on hand, too. So if you want a buck kid out of a first freshener, we need to know that information. Um, by putting by making a list of does, it allows us to kind of parse through the animals that are born. And also, it protects us from any type of blindsiding of lack of does we might have. Because that does happen. And we've set ourselves up for failure in the past where we've cashed checks and then had to refund a bunch of money. Yeah, and so what we do is we actually do require deposits. Um, we haven't increased the deposit. It's $100, buck or dough, regardless of the price of the kid. Um, and, you know, I do that mostly for organization, and I do cash the, you know, check, or it's in my PayPal or whatever. Um, mo you know, there are, I'd say it's like 50-50. So let's say the kid isn't born. Some people want their money back, and you know, I know there are breeders that try to, you know, talk you into hanging on to another year to trade for semen. And that's just not what we do. If your kid isn't born and you don't want to hang on, you know, hold over your reservation, we we literally refund your money the next day. That's not a problem with us. Um, 
you know, and then there's a lot of people just say, no, I really want this breeding or this doe I'll stay on for next year. Um, so I just, you know, and what I do is I put, I actually have a separate savings account. And so all the deposit money is in a savings account that is not touched. So that is always there. So there isn't like, oh my gosh, in the spring I had no does born after a fund, you know, say a thousand dollars or whatever. I don't have that money. That's always there. So there isn't a, you know, isn't an issue with not having the money and spending before you, you know, essentially like, you know, counting your chicks before they're hatched. So um, we try to just, you know, do everything, you know, very on, you know, the up and up and just have things in specific, you know, accounts and, and stuff like that to refund money should we need to. That's a really good idea. Um, you know, also in looking at um, somebody who I wants to buy, I do tend to see, you know, what kind of past successes have they had? I'm not talking about necessarily on a national level, but successes right, with goats or other livestock, you know, <laughs> do they know what they're doing somewhat? Um, do they, yes, do they? So even if you don't know someone personally, you can go to their page and look to see, do they feed their goats? But I, I am not ashamed. I absolutely do that. I creep people to see if their goats are being, if they're taken care of, if they're, you know, thin or if they're actually being fed I don't mean they have to be in like you know national show state but they just need to be you know managed well and I do if I don't know someone I absolutely do you know try to find out as much as I can as far as the care because you know I we probably all had animals end up in really sad situations and um, I think it's our duty to try to prevent that from happening as much as we can um, and so I do I I creep sorry I creep you if you're new <laughs> <laughs> trying to make sure that you feed your goats. <laughs> I don't think there's any shame in that at all, Sarah. In fact, this fall I sold two little two little alpine kids to somebody who said that they had never they didn't have goats. Um, they wanted to get into dairy goats. Their youngest daughter really wanted to show them, and I'm like, er, it was September when they were asking to buy these kids, and to me that's always a little bit of a concern because right. I'm like. Ooh, people who are serious usually buy in the spring because you know and, and these were kids that I didn't really want to let go but was looking at the numbers and so forth so creeped her out on Facebook and found out that they had uh, the winning um, sheep weather at the Missouri State Fair <laughs> and they had had that for several years so to exactly. me that was like okay they're new to goats but they obviously know how to care for and and take care of their animals and they've been one a lot of you were born into it, but I wasn't, I was, you know, 19 or 20 years old when I got goats. So no one knew me. And so when I'm, you know, contacting people, you know, especially when I was getting my very first customer animals, Karen did tell me one time, she said, you know, I asked around about you and I, and I either, they didn't hear, didn't know who you were, or they said that you took care of your goats. So that was how I was <laughs> lucky enough to get you know my first customer goes but um you know i think i just think that we all need we owe that to our to our to our animals we just do sarah does it, it in cameron does it factor into your decision to sell specific animals to someone if you know that they're um participating in things like dhir um, or appraisal yeah, yeah. Uh, i no, I think um, if, if my goats can get more recognition because of DHHR, linear appraisal, if they're going to be pictured on Facebook and they're going to say, oh, she was best in show, yeah. there's going to be a nice picture put up. Definitely, because that's, that's just another form oh, yeah, of absolutely. advertising for my herd to get the word out. And I mean, we all love those buyers, right? Like those are our favorite buyers, the buyers that 
know how to manage goats, the buyers that know how to, um, you know, prep goats that know how to show them can take pictures. Those are our dream buyers. But the reality is not, not everyone can do that. Not everyone can, you know, show on the level that, you know, we show at. And so for me, absolutely. I love it. That's, I love to hear it. But the reality is not everyone can or does. And so it's not a deal breaker for me. Um, but yeah, of you know, dream buyers, you always want the ones that are going to help prove out your goats and, you know, present them to the best of your, you know, their ability. Um, not a deal breaker, but obviously that's an ideal. What about, you know, expectations about that? And we talked about giving them a good home. Do you, any of you require a recommendation from a vet? Because I've heard people talk about that or when selling other competitive animals and other species and like, you need to have a vet recommendation in relationship with a vet. So I don't, um, you know, I don't, I think a lot of us, I mean, I have an awesome vet, like awesome, awesome vet. I'm so lucky. We have a fantastic clinic. Um, and I have relationships with vets, you know, around the country, but, um, not everyone has a vet that they can literally just, I text my vet, I text them, Hey, can you come out to do CVIs? Hey, um, you know, and he'll text me when they're ready. And, you know, when Omni's on his way, I'm just really fortunate, but not everyone has that kind of relationship, but he's been my vet for as long as I've had goats. So we work really well together. Um, you know, again, it kind of goes back to how far are you going to search into it, but it isn't something I require. Um, I am after the sale. We do, I do help a lot of people after the sale. Um, I help moderate, um, a Nubian dairy goat forum and you know we encourage I encourage people to join that but as far as the vet um they're they're hard to find I mean good vets are you know especially that can know livestock and in goats it's you know that's most vets don't know goats so that's kind of neither here nor there but if you can just have a good vet that's awesome but you know it takes a while to find find a good vet in some in some areas it does I know we I bred dogs for a little while and yes um I know there were a lot of dog breeders that will not sell you a dog unless you have a recommendation from a vet. But I agree with you on that, Sarah. With goats, it's, you know, if you can find a goat that doesn't laugh or a vet that doesn't laugh about treating your goats, you know, that they want to treat them as a serious livestock, that's really awesome. If you can find a vet that really gets your goats and and enjoys working with them. Oh my so gosh, they're worth their always weight always has his phone and he will take pictures of the baby goats and pictures of if we have puppies or, you know, whatever. He He's just wonderful. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. I have such an awesome vet. Um, so another question for you guys. What are your top pet peeves with buyers? Like what absolutely, you know, I turns you off to sell me a good yeah goat. or someone that it's you know Go ahead. that's kind of a hard one because i mean i think we tire kickers they're the worst um you know and it's like yeah, at yes. first you don't know they're a tire tire kicker but maybe five years down the road after they've contacted you every every uh year you're just like oh here we go again um tire kickers are the worst um for me personally because we ship or previously to covid we shipped so many kids and we ship at four weeks um i notify buyers um within two days of birth you know just depending on how many we're having kid and i make sure they're eating well and they're all you know on lamb bars and everyone's doing great and then i notify a buyer but i you know payment fast payment makes for great buyers because there's a relatively short time from the time that kid is born 
to get a payment to set up a flight to ship at four weeks, you know, you know, I'm really lucky. I have, you know, for the most part, buyers have been, you know, wonderful. Um, and this year was a little different with COVID and we didn't have the airlines and stuff that people were fantastic, but tire kickers, um, slow pay, um, those are probably the, the ones that drive me the most crazy. Um, just for me personally. Yeah. For me, it's really all about sell me a good goat and then not getting any specific on that. Having two breeds of goats, I could say, okay, do you yeah. want an alpine? Do you want a stable? Do you want a, do you want a junior doe? Do you want a senior doe? Do you want a buck? Do, like, what do you want? And if they tell me, oh, I want to win at the county fair, well, we all want to win at the county fair. Honestly, that's why we breed. That's why we breed competitive dairy goats. So, um, to me, don't tell me you just want a good one. Give me specifics what you're looking for. Um, those people that tell me they just want a good one and then are aggressive. Also, I would rather you not people not call me at yes. seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday after I had rec- after I had recently graduated <laughs> college and had been um, <laughs> celebrating that. So, <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry, Cameron. I think that was me. <laughs> I definitely know it wasn't you because someone else ended up selling goats to him, and I lost out on some money. But uh, I did not have very good patience that day. <laughs> The constant, you know, or, you know, hey, like you said, I want a, I want a good goat. Um, I, the worst, I think what bothers me the most, like when people say like, you know, hey, I want a goat. I live in this state and I want a goat that can beat this person. And I, that is the, the biggest turnoff for me. And I just say, you know what? That's not how I sell goats. Like, you know, I'm not, we're not in this massive competition that you need to bring in an outside goat and try to beat your enemy in your state. Like, I just that drives me insane. And, um, I just always think that's really comes off really abrasive. No, I, I so totally don't do get that it. people. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> don't do you that. turn off. Okay. I'll tell you what my pet, my pet peeve is. And I'm again, I don't sell on the level that you all do when I have, let's say it's a week old kid. Okay. Every baby goat yes. is adorable. Everyone, but they're squirmy. And they don't like to stand and it's hard to get them posed and it's hard to get pictures. And when you have a buyer who's requesting picture after picture, well, can you get it from the front? Well, you can get it from the back. That is on my terms of sale. We do not sell send photos because it was exactly what you said. I need this view. I need this view. I need this view. I don't, you know, it's one thing if it's, you know, Hey, I want a cute shot of my picture of my kid, but you know, going back to being a buyer as well, I have never once received a picture. I've never asked for one. I had no idea, you know, um, the last baby Nubian buck I shipped in was, you know, several years ago. And I knew that he is, he had a brother and they were black or blue. And I didn't, I was like, everyone's busy. Everyone's busy. No one has time to go take a million pictures of a kid. And I just really didn't care because that's not what I, I'm buying on. I don't, I didn't care. So I opened up the kennel when I got him and he was blue and I thought he was really pretty and I was, you know, thrilled. But um, it's in my terms of sale that um, we don't do, you know, pictures of kids. Um, I actually, you know, kind of got that from, there's a couple other herds that have that. Redwood Hill is one. Um, I know that um, Lori Acton is the same thing. And she even says on her website that, you know, if I, I have been doing this for 40 some years and I can't pick out the very best. So how is some candid photo of a newborn going to do that for you? And like you said, they're all cute. Um, 
<laughs> some are more unfolded than others but it's just a it's just something that um I just said no we're, we don't do and generally like you know if I'm sitting with kids I'll snap a picture like oh here's your butt kid and I'll text it to them or send a picture but no we don't I don't do any of the post stuff I don't do um any of that I just don't we don't have time you know there's only the two of us doing this and um you know we just do not have time and we're in Minnesota there's snow and ice <laughs> packed on the ground through April so <laughs> where am I supposed to take it's these cold. pictures you know in the pen <laughs> with the other, it's just it's so difficult and I know people don't understand if you don't you know you're not in uh this big time and I know they're excited so I do understand that and I I'm happy to give an evaluation and description text email um you know, even a phone call if you can catch me when we're not crazed in the middle of kidding season. But um, I'm happy to do that. I just I don't do photos. And to that end, I, I, I have always trusted my the people we've purchased from. And um, I hope that if you're buying from us that you trust us as breeders, or you wouldn't be buying from us. And um, that's just our one of our policies. Yes. One thing that is really, you know, grinds my gears when you try to argue on the price and recently in the last year or so I had a couple of people trying to do this and negotiating the price that's kind of an Agreed insult completely. to the reader don't you think and I will flat out say here's my prices they're not for everyone they're not you know you I you can get goats cheaper you can you know get them in any price range um so I'm never offended if people aren't I think our prices are you know too high especially if you're looking for a 4-H you know kid and a lot of times around here they're not buying from big breeders they're buying locally and so they might want to spend a couple hundred bucks at most and i you know that's fine that is totally up to them um but here's my prices here with here's what they start at and they're non-negotiable the last thing that we want to talk about with buying and selling is having transportation available i think this is huge and knowing the realistic expectation of being able to transport the animal um, in it, you know, if, uh, recently myself and my fiance, we reserved a buck from California and we know reasonably that we either have to get this animal flown in or we have to drive out there ourselves. Which yeah. Who has time for that? Um, or looking at getting transported here. Um, so th- knowing transportation yep. up front is huge. And we just have to be hopeful that airlines are running, you yeah. know, and, um, this year it was yes. I really like really really lucked out because so I didn't you know all of a sudden they had put this embar- embargo on and it was the day after I shipped a group of like ten kids and I you know was like oh my gosh and we had kind of a split kidding season so I had a bunch in March and a bunch in April so I had two separate groups that I needed to ship really kind of at the same time we had a lot of people come get their goats but um, shipping was essentially not available you couldn't after I had shipped those that batch it was down to um, there was like a embargo as far as one flight no connection there was a surcharge so I think it was $50 more at American it just and it was impossible because from Minneapolis we, I could fly to like Den, well, I mean, not even Denver. I could go to like Dallas or, or Chicago, and it just doesn't get you anywhere. You know, it just doesn't get far enough for people. So we did, mm-hmm. um, we were really lucky. And um, we had a friend in Michigan, and she was going to get goats out west. Well, 
long story short, um, she ended up taking a bunch of our kids and delivering them along the way. Even, you know, we had kids go all the way to Oregon and Texas on this route. She just ended up delivering them. And then she brought us back a bunch of sonnets. So it, it worked, but um, we really lucked out. This is the first time, you know, we really ever had to do that. But um, I, with COVID, you know, everything's different and we're more lenient on time frames because, you know, people were shut down this spring. And so I'm hoping next year is better, but we need to prepare if it's not. In the past, when I've sold animals um, that were far away yep. or I brought animals in, the, you know, shipping them by air seemed to be the easiest thing on the kids. It was easy for me. I loved doing it that way. This is the first year that I've really had a lot of experience using transporters. And I've, I've been impressed. I know that there's probably some bad ones out there, but the experience that I had using transporters this year was very positive. Um, the animals arrived in a timely manner and they were well cared for. And um, my buyers seemed to be really happy with them. So I, you know, again, yeah, you're more change, central, but even most transports come through your area. We are a lot more than mine. So we, you know, we can't use like Amy Sporna and all those other people that just say how wonderful they, they don't come to us. So that's kind of a, a tricky thing. Um, so I'm, I don't want to, like Cameron said, I, I don't want to be making trips next year delivering kids. So we're hoping the airlines are running again. Can you walk us through yeah. your shipping procedure? Especially, I think for people who listen to the podcast, that would be really important. And then kind of outline what is needed and then what all is kind of the cost expect or maybe just like what sure. would a person have to pay so, for So um you know the way year? that I I ship is I start looking at ages of kids and um you know grouping I it depends on how many are born but there's some weeks where I have to make you know two plus runs to the airport um a week but you know generally for me um I I ship during the week because first of all, there's better flights. And so we're going to just pretend this is non-COVID and this is how I would handle it on a normal year. Um, I have a notebook and I write out all the addresses and phone numbers and all the information that the they're going to need from me to book these flights. And so I might call. And um, so I, right now I've been, had been this year I used Delta and American United no longer flies goats, um, which I used to use United because you could get airline miles and they were cheap and, um, they did a good job and they don't ship goats anymore. So now we're stuck um, in our area anyway. I know Alaska is available in the West, but for me, it's Delta or American. So I get all my groupings together and let's say I'm going to ship eight kids and I have everything written down. And yes, you can email um, both American and Delta, but I ship so many kids at one time. It's so much easier for me to coordinate shipping times and flights with a phone call. So um, I tell the operator, whoever I'm calling that, Hey, I have six shipments and um, they usually start with the trickiest one first. Let's say it's some, you know, very small airport or, or whatnot. And we try to, and then we work through those. And um, so I might spend an hour to an hour and a half scheduling flights and some, they go really well. And some you need to call another airline Um Delta has a little bit lower heat restrictions than some of the other, you know, than American. So weather is, a, is also a factor. And that's why I loved United because they didn't have restrictions. Well, unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. So sometimes like I would, you know, I might book two flights because if it's going to be, let's say it's going to be 82. Well, Delta only takes it to 80. American takes it to 85. So I might book two flights, one on each airline. 
and to see what one I can get. And, you know, I have a preference, of course, but if it's my preference is Delta and it's going to be 82, I can't use it. So then I fall back on that other reservation. So anyway, um, we get all the crates and stuff done before I have now mind you, I'm doing a lot at a time, so I have to be really organized. We um, put together Mm -hmm. the kennels. I tape on top of the kennels are the, you know, who it goes to um, the flights, the times, the date, um, everything on there. So that, kennel will always be marked and that and it's marked with the kids and the tattoos so i bring usually i take my truck um because now these kennels don't fit in the car and a lot of times i'll have my the the kids loose in the back (laughs) and i have all the kennels ready and um or i'll you know pack you know two to three kids in each kennel um and now using american we have to use towels here so that's kind of a I can't stand using it, but we've figured out a system. We use carpet, mm-hmm. tea pads, and towels. So it all works. <laughs> um, I have extra of everything. So that's like one of the main things. Since you can get to an airport that you've shipped a million times before, and there might be a new rule. And so um, I always have extra food dishes. I have uh, one time it was a different person, and they said I needed to send water. I had to go to my truck and find a old, like a water bottle and tape it to the kennel. Um, so it's all this dumb stuff that you just always have to have, you know, in mind. And, um, also always before you leave, you want to check the temperatures. You want to check that you have your CVIs. Um, I always do certificates of acclimation when there's weather issues. So I have my vet sign a stack of those and we fill those out. Um, and this year American, I got to the counter and they needed, a breed form and that's like why do you need a breed form this is for dogs so um it's all you just need to look at everything before you leave to make sure that you have everything signed be and have extras of everything including you know so my kids will ride to the airport and then i change and put fresh towels in their kennel so they are clean and everything when they leave um yeah, it's, it's a lot. And then, you know, I track everything all day long. I have a really good relationship with my shipping guy. We're actually friends um, and hang out. He comes here to uh, go to some brew. So, so he's, a, he's really fun. Um, and that makes shipping really nice. So um, I only ship when he works. So, um, you know, just because it's, it's easier and they're really nice. They let our, like, I bring the, you know, we get the kennels in. They're like, oh, they're going to have long flights. You should let them play. So then they play and um, they're fantastic. But so much is every, every week you could have a change or a new embargo. So it's just constantly looking up requirements and making sure that you have everything. And, um, and then I, you know, when I, I contact the buyers, they get all the information as far as an airway bill and the exact flights and the exact time, the connection times, everything that they need. Um, we require a shipping deposit in advance because everything is paid. You know, I have to prepay everything. Um, I have a separate, I used to do it with a debit card, but I learned the hard way that if they screw up using your debit card at the airport, it locks it out at four in the morning and <laughs> it's 4 a.m. and you only have two oh kennel ships. And so then you pull out your personal credit cards <laughs> to make sure all these animals can get out. So um, then what I did is I just got a farm credit card to be able to use at the airport because you can't call the bank at 4 a.m. So uh, but credit card companies are much easier to get a hold of. And so yeah. um you know, I do that and then I just, 
you know, pay that off. And it's just my shipping credit card. So um, it's just a lot of things to think about when you have so many shipping. A few is not a bad, a, a big, huge deal, but I still get nervous every time I go to ship because you just don't know what to expect. And that's just honestly going to always be how it is. So. <laughs> and I think it is so helpful for yes. you to share this, Sarah. Thank you so much because a lot of, a lot of sellers will tack a surcharge on to shipping and you know i've had people say well what do you charge what do you charge extra you know for airport shipping or whatever well not only do you have mileage to the airport but all of the things that yeah you just i mean you know we kind of assembly line of kennels and it is it is ours and so and you're you, you know just prepping everything it takes a long time and i and i completely understand that people don't know that but um there it is a lot of work to ship and so but as long as they get there safe and and happy um that's really all we can ask and when i get so i get to the airport i always bring milk along um and i do probably half of them eat another meal before they they go but i do try to give them the final kind of meal before they're um on the plane and then they have they have uh hay in their kennels but um just try to keep them you know as calm and healthy as possible and we do probiotics in their milk um because so right before we dan is the one who gets them ready for me i shower while he packs them in the truck and he gives them um so we do probiotics they get b vitamins um and then they get a coccidia um so they'll either have a five-day course of a coccidia treatment or they'll get baycox before flying um, just because getting into a completely, they might be going to Texas, they might be going to a completely different climate. So we want them to stay healthy and, um, you know, just arrive and, and, uh, as least stressed as possible. That was exactly what I wanted. And that's, I knew you were the expert at it in the <laughs> industry and I'm thankful for you shared that for our listeners. Um, shifting gears here, what as a, as a buyer of goats, are you looking for in a seller? And kind of having a good etiquette for that here. Laura, why don't you go ahead and start? What What do you think is a good etiquette there when you're looking at uh, buying goats? And, and what are you looking for in a good seller? Right. For me, the, you know, other than their reputation, because usually that's what gets me t- to be interested in a herd. You know, I've heard, you know, I have judged friends who say, hey, I judged out in Ohio and I saw this really cool herd or wherever. The first thing I want to see is a is a website. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be polished, but well organized with some pictures that show me what I'm going to look at. Because especially if I'm thinking of buying an animal sight unseen, I really want to know why I should buy from this buyer. So a good website or social media presence, you know, it can be a a well flushed out Facebook page. That's I think that's a really important thing. It shows me that you've put the time and effort into making sure that your animals are showcased for people who can't see them in yeah, person. Yeah, I totally agree with that there. Again, um, having good pictures always helps on those websites, social media sites as well. Um, and then being able to make sure that you can see all of the angles that are the most flattering of the goat as well. I think that's really important. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes to take pictures. No. Or Let me put it this way. I keep... I keep thinking as my daughters get older and we do this every year, I keep thinking this is going to be the year that nobody's going to complain about taking pictures. And, and, you know, we're, we'll walk out of the show ring and somebody (laughs) will just snap that perfect picture. Um, 
you know, eleven it's years not. and it's yet to happen. So <laughs> it's you know, tell me, tell no, me it's in the future, it's, guys. Ninety five percent of the fights <laughs> I get with my fiance are. That's over the taking, only thing we fight about. I mean, it's... it'll, and it's not even like you're just like I, I told you to, you know, your back like your side. What I didn't hear you, and I was like, I told you. <laughs> So, you know, it is, it's a, it's a total, no one enjoys it. And, um, usually it's hot or, you know, there's flies or it's just some kind of a miserable job. Um, but it's the necessary evil, I guess we just all have to do it. And, and, uh, I will tell you having Sonnen's, um, and before that Ober's, it's just night and day with the attention span of photos. Um, getting them set up and they just stay there uh so it's it's been it's yes. so refreshing like we did our sonnens and like it was fast like rapid fire like boom we could get good pictures because they just stand there nubians they're just wiggling all over it's kind of you know it's not nearly as easy so i do appreciate the sonnens and um the ease they they do their photos <laughs> yeah Oh, yes. but it's true. The, like, oh, that's true. true. <laughs> there's a there's a difference between them and the Swiss breeds. I mean, the Swiss just they're just way easier. One one thing I will say about a phone call, and it makes it challenging, is I yes. don't generally save people's numbers that you know call me about buying goats. Um, so if I have a Facebook message exactly. or an email. I have your contact information and I have your name right there. And, and this compared to a phone or a text message, yeah, I'll text message with you. But sometimes I'll say, okay, I'm going to respond to that later. And I never get back to it. And that's, that's on yeah. me. But I think we all, everyone does that too. Um, so Facebook and email well, are, you have are a great record because of the conversation. Name, your name is right there. Too. Um, you know, that's, that's important. And so like if yes. I do talk to someone yes. on the phone and they're committing to ordering kids or whatnot, um, I say, please send me, an e- you know, if you're on Facebook, send me a Facebook message or email me. So I have a record of this. When your yeah. deposit arrives, I'll reply back and then we can establish the connection that way. Because, you know, there might be a kidding season. I might be kidding. Yes. And it could be midnight or one in the morning. And I was like, oh, I should reply. I'm going to reply to this and do this. I can't call you at one in the morning if I can find the number. <laughs> so it's just so much easier to be yeah. in contact if you can have that in a you know written form. I think one thing as well is when you get a response, make sure it's it's directly pointed towards the question or, or you know, making sure yes or no, getting some type of confirmation that you received it, your order is in and whatnot, because some type, some people sometimes they will try to skate around it and say, okay, yeah, we can totally do that sometime, but let's, let's talk later, reconnect, yes, you know, exactly. your confirmation, yes or no, this is the plan going forward and making a clear plan instead of, having someone skate around the idea of it um, and, and maybe it's because they're planning on keeping it in their own herd. And I, I don't take offense to that at all because we obviously must have the same taste in goats yep. if you're going to be keeping a buck or a doe in your herd. And the next thing here is transparency that. about the entire process as a, as a, as a seller of goats and someone that's bought goats Absolutely. and sold goats. I like to be transparent about the entire process. This is what's going to, this is what's going to happen. This is when you should expect some type of contact from me. Um, about breedings or confirmations on anything or you know whatnot so being transparent about the process as a as a as a seller to a buyer is super important and then being transparent about when do you need the deposit or or what other specific rights 
you have this. Um, you know, something else that I think is really important. I don't expect people to live on their phone, but I sure yeah. do appreciate and I, and I feel a like, quick or a prompt know, response I to try questions. to be really prompt. Um, you know, I, I'm really, Facebook page, I think is super easy because it's right at your, you know, you're alerted. It's right at your fingertips. I get a lot of messages that way. I do a lot of email. Phone, I tell, I put on my website, you know, that's probably the hardest way to reach me. I mean, like any of us, most of us are not inside. Um, and my cell phone doesn't work inside um, my barn the best. So um, for me, it's just easier if you contact me that way. Um, it's a lot harder to find time to talk. Yes, I agree. Don't don't send me a mail. Yeah. Don't mail me anything. Don't mail me a letter. Yeah, you know, I, that's what they did back in the day, <laughs> olden days before we had email and cell phones and Facebook. Nope. Um, but please don't <laughs> mail me a letter unless you're mailing me a, a check. As a buyer, um, well, seller too, but really important as a buyer, you need to be transparent with everything, and that means your photos that they're not photoshopped that you're um you know you're not yes. fudging things that yes. you know there is there's you know if you've got the data the data's there and um you know as a, i have a responsibility as a seller to you know keep keep track of my buyers and to refund their money if you know their kid isn't born and to be prompt mm -hmm. at it not to um you know try to make it seem like it's their fault they don't get yeah. money back or try to talk them into semen because you know that's on my website if you want to trade semen in if your kid wasn't bored i'm happy to do that but i'm equally as happy i'll send your deposit back i think that just goes back to your rep reputation and um you know, we all work, you know, that's important. It's important yes. as a, as a buyer that people trust, trust us and they want to work with us. And as a, as a buyer, you know, um, you know, and as a seller, like there's transparency that needs to happen and honesty on both sides. I commit to buying a goat, you know, you commit, you got my deposit. I mean, um, you know, we, I haven't had, you know, knock on wood, um, if there are issues, I end up adding them to the terms of sale. Um, I never thought I'd have to add that Nubians can be born any color. If you cancel because of color, it's, you don't get your money back, but um, someone, yeah, I sent, I was, I went out of my, this is a, goes back to the picture. I sent them a picture. Oh my God. Beautiful kid. She was my pick of the, of the um, younger babies. She was just so fancy. And she was black and white. Um, and she was, it was the cutest picture. And the lady writes back, my husband doesn't want her because he wants some brown on her. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. So it's what? just, I had to add that to, you know, my terms of sale to really spell it out. Like, yes, I'm not going to make you take, you know, if there was a, a sable born, that's totally different. But Nubians are literally any color and so i do get color requests i want a blue one I yeah. want black and i don't take deposits on color so um you know that's just not anything we do because it doesn't matter um but yeah it, it's so important like you said cameron to be you know transparent in everything you do and honest um because you, that's how you get repeat by you know repeat buyers that's how you um you know continue your you know quality reputation and um the goat world is a small one we all know that it's i mean we have a network yes. of you know if i have a really bad experience with the buyer i'm gonna tell my friend and you know they we we all know and so i think everyone just needs to be upfront and honest and that's the most important thing
It's yeah. either you're going to find out from someone else or you're going to see it <laughs> yeah, on the, like... the Facebook group, Goat <laughs> Rant and Raves. Absolutely. I think the last thing here when you're looking at being a good buyer and a seller is being able to accommodate specific requests. Um, that That can look in many different ways, but in my professional opinion, you as a buyer should never recommend a breeding <laughs> yes. to a yes. breeder of a yes. goat unless they ask for yes. feedback. And and to me, it's insulting to me if, if you would come up to me and say, well, I want X goat bred to X, X doe bred to X buck. And that's the only one I want. And nothing, one out and nothing of. else is good and enough. But... I'll be like, <laughs> but yeah, okay, like, no, cool. that doesn't work. I, there's a reason. And yeah, it comes back to trusting your, your breeder. Do you trust them to make the right decisions for that doe? And yeah. no, I don't, you know, it's different if you're in a friend group, you know, you're hanging out with your friends. You're like, Oh, who's I breed who and who to, but no, to come at me and say, Hey, yeah. um, would you consider making this breeding? You can suggest it, but, um, I'm not going to change my, my breedings because you want something different. You know, we start thinking about these before, like we might think two to three generations in advance for breeding. So um, we've thought a lot about this and um, I just, it's really, it's it's rude to suggest um, something else. (laughs) I think that's a good way to put it, Sarah. It's rude. You're you're showing your lack of confidence in that breeder's ability to know what's best Mm -hmm. for their herd. Yes. Well, yeah. One, one thing as well, and I, this isn't on our list, but I wanted to bring it up here is just having being insulted as a breeder through a message messenger group and whatnot, that really hurts the integrity of yourself, but not only hurts the kind of the feelings of the breeder too, I've personally been insulted by buyers because they didn't get what they wanted or um, they or buyers because they didn't get what they wanted or they think they're right and you should sell them. This no, goal. it's and a bad look. Them out and, and that you know, it looks petty. Look it looks you. exactly what it is. And, um, you know, it it's not like it's not like you did anything, you know, wrong or it's someone didn't do their homework or they didn't take care of an animal properly. And um, that shouldn't be, you know, on you. And yeah. And it's, I think, I think we've all had that experience to some extent. Um, And it's just, it feels bad and you just don't want to be in in it. And um, I know that all of us work really hard. So we have happy buyers. I mean, that's our goal is not to make people mad, you know, and then to think if you make someone mad, they have your animal that is 10 times worse. So like that whole mindset, like honestly, reputable breeders want to send you something you're going to love they want their animals good homes and they want their animals loved and they want their animals Mm -hmm. you know taken care of so um yeah but unfortunately we've all been on the receiving end of of uh, the not so good transactions you know speaking of that sarah that kind of brings me to a, a question that i have i listened to another um podcast that talks about um oh show stock like pigs and and uh uh, meat goats and sheep and so forth and they had a whole podcast devoted to what kind of service you should expect after the sale um should sellers be expected to be mentors to the people that they sell as far as like a mentor um i feel that 
especially like if I'm selling goats to Texas, I have a pretty good network of people. And I sold to some goats, some goats in Texas. And I talked to a friend in Texas that I knew would be willing to kind of mentor them because they have totally different um, management needs than they do in Minnesota. Um, so I feel like number one, most important thing is to have a local mentor, someone that knows, you know, the climate and the feed availability and the kind of hay that you can find. And though that's incredibly important, but a mentor is for, as far as for you know breeding i'm always happy to give advice you know um some people might say hey how would you breed her and in my herd i would you know do this or i'd look for these these lines and i i'm happy dan dan and i are both really always happy to help people with that but as far as management and everything um i'm i may not know how to race i don't i've never lived in texas i've never lived in tennessee i don't know how to raise goats in those states um and in missouri i i don't know that i could raise goats in missouri it's totally different than what i do in minnesota so i do ask that people find local mentors and you know most of them do already have a connection in there whether they show or, or whatnot but i do think those are really important things but i'm also always happy to help offer advice and um you know breeding ideas or um have you had experience with you know appraisal and trying to get people into the programs. I mean, that's always, that is good for the entire industry. That's good for everyone. So I, I, I hope, my hope is that all sellers are willing to do those things. I really think it comes down to what level of service the buyer wants after the sale. If I sell, if I sell a goat to Laura, which I did, um, you know, Laura, I know Laura is going to talk to me about him. He's going to give me, she's going to give me updates and we're going to banter about that. But if I sell a, a breeder or if I sell a goat to an, a, a dairyman who exactly. know, is in Northwest yeah. Iowa, for example, <laughs> I might not yeah. hear about that buck again for two two to three yep. years. Or well, Not only that, but two to three years until he has fresh daughters on the ground. So, you know, it, it's whatever the buyer wants. If they want that type of mentorship, if they want, <laughs> hey, what are you feeding? You know, what are your recommendations for it? You know, um, and again, like Laura said, or not, excuse me, like uh, Sarah said, it all comes down to yeah, climate. Like, yeah, we we don't. I don't know how to raise goats in Florida. I I don't because that is a whole yeah, different and I, ecosystem. And people, you know, I, in my group, I you know, I actually North. had someone that was upset with me for not uh, telling them or talking about this product. And I I it was a feed through something on pasture. Well, my goats aren't pastured, so yeah, I can read about it, but I can't be honest with any experience I have. And so I always want to be upfront that, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't, it's not how I raise my goats. Our goats are fed, you know, only alfalfa. They, they browse, you know, when it's windy and they get good leaves and, you know, certain times of the years when there's the year, when there's good, you know, um, weeds and stuff around, but I don't want to ever lead people in the, the wrong direction. So even like on our Facebook group, it's the same thing. Like I can't answer those questions that, like you said, in Florida, like I, you know, parasite loads in Minnesota are so different than, you know, in the South. And so I, I, you know, I try to, you know, it's kind of yes. like, you know, do no harm, um, you know, and you always want to do best for the goats and, and having a local mentor is going to give buyers. That's their best. That's their best resource is someone local that can help them. That is their best resource. That and a, and a vet that you can yes. work with and get medications from. And, you know, if you need emergency care, those kinds of things. Yes. Laura, uh, uh, tossing this question on you is, is what happens if, you know, an animal dies, say you sell a buck kid to someone and they were, uh, you know, a phenomenal buyer and the kid dies, 
either due to you know freak of freak accident or something like that would you you know do you try to work with them on getting them another buck what's your thoughts on that you know and sometimes it depends on the circumstance i have had this happen before um you know i'll try to work with them i have such a small herd that if a buck isn't pre-reserved i don't keep them so it's really it would be really hard for me to replace it that year but um you know, I had a, a good friend that we provided a buck for. They got two breedings out of him and he died in a freak accident. And it was through no fault of their families. It just happened there. Um, so we told him that we would replace that buck the next year. To me, the relationship that you have with with good buyers and good homes for your animals is worth Absolutely. going that extra yard. You know, uh, those freak things that happens, you know, you want to yeah. go, no, go the um, extra one- mile. But you just you have to know that that everybody had the very best intentions at heart and move you know move forward with yeah, that. That's that's a good that's a good thing. And we we've done that before. If you live locally close to us, and something would happen where you get a buck kid, and generally if it's you know March or you pick up this buck kid relatively early, and we have, still have some floater kids around, we can replace that with a first freshener buck kid and whatnot. But um, yeah, we, we tend to do that, but it just, yeah, you know, and I, talk about I, service I, after you know, the sale, that's one it's, thing. That's there. one of those things that isn't in like the, you know, the ad good guidebook, you know, recommended pra- trade practices for members. Um, but I think we all need to understand, like, I can remember buying a buck when I was first in the goats and at six weeks old, he died of urinary calculi. Like that is just rare and unheard of. And he was six weeks old. Well, I was literally just out and, wow. you know, I had had him for like a week. And so I always try to put myself into the position of a buyer. Like if it is a management issue, that's a lot harder to, um, but it, again, it will depend on how hard did they try. And I don't know. Uh, it, it's a case by case basis. Um, but I, you know, I absolutely, we, we stand behind our animals Um you know, our whole herd is DNA typed and uh, G6, well, I mean, this, the whole herd is, but G6S is the Nubians and they're all um, normal. And we stand behind that and we stand behind our genetics. And, um, you know, if there was ever any sort of issue, you know, knock on wood, there, there hasn't been, but we would absolutely stand behind that animal and you would, our, all of our goats are typed. So there wouldn't ever be, um, you know, a problem. But um, I just think that this comes down to, you know, the, the kind of seller you want to be. Um, are you going to try to make a quick, a quick buck and, you know, really not kind of have any service after the well, sale or, you know, sorry, too bad. Or are you going to be a little bit more understanding? And I just think that goes a lot further with people. Um, and just that's how I am personally is that I just, you know, I want people to be happy, but I also won't be taken advantage of. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a case by case. And I think too, you know, Absolutely. If it is a, you know, if it's a health problem, you know, that becomes apparent later that, that either was due to something that I didn't do or, um, you know, a a heart defect or a breeding defect, if the animal won't breed, um, you know, those are definitely things on me as the breeder that I feel like need to be replaced. So, you know, again, I think Sarah, you summed it up really well do right by people, you know, be, have an understanding heart, try to look at what they've done and, and move along there. I think that's one other question I had, I guess, service after the sale is what happens when, if you would sell an animal and then say a buck kid, and then you would, um, they, they would, you know, they would keep it a year. They would breed some goats to them. And then all of a sudden every single 
goat that is born out of that buck has three teats or has, you know, maybe, um, you know, not, not appropriate Nubian heads. I can't think of the correct term now. Um, we had sold a really beautiful, I sold a really beautiful buck kid and, um, he, I shipped him and he, I'd never, I'd never even had undershot jaws before, but this buck developed one and the lady was so nice. It was, again, she was older. So she sent me a letter with, with actual photos in it of this buck kid and she didn't want to use him. And I said, you know, you're right. I, I don't know where this came from i still have no idea where it came from but um so i did replace him um she did not feel comfortable using and you know using him especially you know none of us really knew where it happened where it came from and and stuff so i i replaced him um i don't have a problem with that if you're you know if i if because the thing here's the thing that i look at like yeah one breeding it could be where's it from but if you're looking at let's say you sell a buck and like everything is born with extra teats or bad bites or airplane ears and Nubians that, you know, if it's across the board, we as breeders have to own that. And so we may not know where all that came from and, um, and stuff, but and luckily I haven't come across that, but as a breeder, like we have to take responsibility for the animals we're putting out there. And if we're putting out, you know, you, you, let's say you sold a thousand dollar buck kid, and he's throwing, you know, three teats. Um, that's just not good advertisement for you. So, um, you know, I, I just I feel like, you know, we have to stand behind the animals we sell. Yes, I agree on that there. This has been an awesome topic this week. Thank you so much, uh, Sarah, for joining us today. And um, I just really have enjoyed and learned a lot from you. Thanks for, for having me. It was a, it was a fun talk. So if people wanted to get a hold of you, Sarah, um, they can go to www.blissberry.com. How else can they get in touch with you? Facebook page is Blissberry Goats. Um, and then from there, you know, we have Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. <laughs> There's links on our website for all of that. But um, we do try to keep the website as, as um, updated as possible and um, try to be on social media when we when we can and it's not such a negative space so cameron what do you want to talk about um, for next yeah week? i think we're talking about some mistakes we've made and please uh look us up on facebook goat gab and uh give us a like if you haven't given us a like yet on itunes or google podcasts or anchor or any other spotify any other platform that you like listening yep. to us on